Welcome to Everyday with Jesus for September 20th. Eager to forgive. Based on Luke 5 verse 20. So I'll look that up. Luke is a book in the New Testament written by Luke who was a physician and not a disciple. Starting with verse 17, the chapter title is Jesus Heals a Paralytic. And he was teaching and he had been going village to village and they were bringing everyone who was sick. There were some friends who tried to bring a paralytic on a mat and they couldn't get into the house. So they went up on the roof and they lowered him down through the tiles. Now verse 20. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and he asked, Why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or get up and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. Yes, very remarkable things for sure. Eager to forgive. Certain experiences in modern society have been garnered with the reputation as being unpleasant, or at least not look forward to. <laughs> Examples might be renewing your driver's license at the DMV, having a root canal, or meeting with an IRS agent for an audit of your tax return, or for Mandy going to get her hair done. She does not like haircuts. We all have things we don't look forward to. The anticipation regarding any of these experiences is usually negative. What a surprise then when the experience turns out to be not as bad as expected, even pleasant. Imagine you are a sinner seeking to meet Jesus to receive forgiveness for your sins or perhaps the healing of a physical affliction. Will it be rigorous, embarrassing? Will he ask probing personal questions? Not if this example of Jesus healing a paralyzed man is any indication. In fact, in this instance, Jesus didn't interact with the man at all. The paralytic was healed and forgiven based solely on the faith of this man's friends, the same friends who brought him to Jesus. Jesus is not only able to forgive, he is eager to forgive. That should have been no surprise since Psalm 103.3 praises God for forgiving all iniquities and healing all diseases. Jesus' actions reveal that the same God was in their midst. Do you need forgiveness? Healing of some sort? Jesus welcomes you with open arms to Him. He is eager to meet your need. There's so many great things in this story um, that I just love. I love that the friends were faithful um, to not only realize their friend needed something, but to realize Jesus could be the solution to the problem. And then even when they brought him and they couldn't get in the door, they went up on the roof and they dug, you know, the tiles apart and dropped him down in there because they wanted their friend to be healed. I mean, I hope I am always a friend like that. I hope you are always a friend like that. We all need to be friends like that to each other. So that's one point I love in the story. But also that, again, Jesus didn't even ask the man, do you want to be healed? Do you want your sins forgiven? He just said, 
your sins are forgiven. He just went with his authority and he said that. But what's exciting to me is that Jesus not only cares about our biggest need, which is having our sins forgiven, but he also cares about our physical needs. I mean, he could have just made this man forgiven with his sins and still lame, but he decided to heal him physically. And God cares about you and needs that you have. Um, he might not heal you physically, but there's a lot of things that he is healing us from. And so I hope today you just rejoice in the fact that Number one, He forgives us our sins. Number two, He does care about healing us and delivering us from other things. And number three, go out there and be a great friend. Be that friend that brings people to Jesus so they can get their sins forgiven or possibly be healed. So I hope you have a great day remembering all of this, and I'll see you back here tomorrow. Welcome to Every Day with Jesus for September 24th. Living on purpose. It comes from Daniel 1 verse 8. Let's look that up. That's going to be in the Old Testament. Daniel um, in the Old Testament and chapter 1 talks about Daniel's training in Babylon. And he had just been taken captive and all the young men with no physical defect and the ones that were handsome got to do special training. And among these were um, Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. And they all came. And then we're going to look in verse 8. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. He asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. Now God had caused the official to show favor and sympathy to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I am afraid of my lord the king who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than any other young men your age? The king would have had my head because of you. Then Daniel said to the guard, whom the chief official had appointed, Please test your servants for ten days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food. And treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for ten days. At the end of the ten days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the other young men that ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. That is really an exciting story. Our English word, purpose, derives from an old Anglo-French verb meaning to propose. When a man proposes marriage to a woman, he says, It is my purpose to spend my life with you and with none other. The advantage of such a proposal, as it transitions to a life purpose, is that it eliminates a multitude of decisions that might present themselves. Anything that conflicts with one's purpose in life is not even considered, or shouldn't be. When young Daniel was taken as a captive to Babylon, he purposed in his heart not to defile himself in that pagan land. So he proposed to the one in charge an alternative to the diet he was offered. He didn't have to wonder, what should I do? That decision had been made before God many years before. I'm reading that line again. That decision had been made before God many years before. His purpose was to live a life of purity and obedience to God. How would you describe your purpose in life? Make your future easier by declaring a clear purpose today. 
that was really good. I love the story of Daniel. It's just so inspiring. You know, he could have been all like boohoo and upset because, I mean, they were all taken from their homeland, you know, as captives. But because, you know, they were smart and handsome and probably followed along well, they kind of got moved up the line. And then God gave them even more wisdom. And Daniel was able to understand visions too. But in his heart, he knew that he was not going to defile God by eating rich food or the king's food. He knew that he was going to do the right thing. And I love how that says that he already knew that before. And it's always really, you know, good advice to know what you're going to do in a situation before you get in it. You know, before on your job, you need to know ahead of time, are you going to cheat on your job or steal or not? And then when that time comes, you just know, I'm not stealing, I'm not lying or cheating on my job. And same thing, they always say, you know, for, especially for young kids, you want to decide what your decision is about premarital sex before you get in the back of that car, right? And so for everything, you just need to decide, I'm going to follow him. And then when situations arise, you're just able to stand your ground because you know what you're going to stand for. So I love that. I hope you all have purpose today and that you can stand firm with that and you have a wonderful day and I will see you back here tomorrow. Welcome to Everyday with Jesus for September 26th. The secret to happiness. Deuteronomy 4:13. Let's look that up. Deuteronomy is in the Old Testament and chapter 4, the chapter title is Obedience Commanded. And the first verse says, Hear now, O Israel, the decrees and laws I am about to teach you. Follow them so that you may live and may go in and take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. Do not add to what I command you and do not subtract from it, but keep the commands of the Lord your God that I give you. Now I'm going to jump to verse 12. Then the Lord spoke to you out of the fire. He heard the sound of the words, but saw no form. There was only a voice. He declared to you his covenant, the Ten Commandments, which he commanded you to follow, and then wrote them on two stone tablets. And the Lord directed me at that time to teach you the decrees and laws you are to follow in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. So he gave the Ten Commandments to them as a way for them to live a better life, follow him, and be good to other people. The Secret to Happiness In the Ten Commandments, the infinite character and holy requirements of God are reduced and recorded for our welfare. They are the foundation of ethics. Obeying them is the secret of happiness. So eternally true, yet so simple. An old English verse found in the McGuffey Reader says it this way, Above all else, love God alone. Bow down to neither wood nor stone. God's name refuse to take in vain. The Sabbath rest with care maintain. Respect your parents all your days. Hold sacred human life always. Be loyal to your chosen mate. Steal nothing, neither small nor great. Report with truth your neighbor's deeds and rid your mind of sinful greed. Isn't that great? I want to memorize that. That is a really cool way to, to say the Ten Commandments. And here's the summary, which I just love. These rules are not designed to hinder our happiness, but to teach us how to live our life to the fullest. And you know, that last line just really kind of sums it up. I know as a kid, um, 
you know, I always thought the Ten Commandments were more like, oh, you know, don't do this, don't do that. And they did seem more just like oppressing of a way to live. But I wish they would have had that more positive spin on it because really the Ten Commandments are for our good. I mean, God says not to steal because that's going to get you in trouble and not to lie because that's going to ruin your reputation and to honor God and not take his name in vain because that's just a better way to be giving him praise and respecting him, showing respect, you know, to other people. And I hope that you can just really see that God gave the Ten Commandments because He loves us. He loves you and wants a better life for you. And by following them, you will have peace with God. You'll have peace with people around you if you follow those commandments. So look at them today as a way to see how God loves us so much and not that He's trying to keep His thumb on us and punish us. Um, and I hope you have a great day following the Ten Commandments. And if you haven't looked at them in a while, go back and look at them. Make sure you know them all. And I will see you back here tomorrow. Welcome to Every Day with Jesus for September 28th. Swallowing fog. This should be interesting. Hebrews 11:34. Let's look that up. Hebrews 11 is called the Hall of Faith, kind of like the Hall of Fame, but the Hall of Faith. And it just talks about all the people who had great faith in Jesus. If you've never read Hebrews 11, take a moment and read Hebrews 11. It's awesome. But we're going to start in verse 34. Actually, I'm just going to back up to 32 because I love to give you extra verses. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to talk about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Japheth, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who, through faith, conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured and refused to be released so they might gain a better resurrection. In a sermon on this text, Charles Haddon Spurgeon said, When I rise as on eagle's wings in joyous rapture, I feel right glad to be capable of the blissful excitement. Yet if you soar to the skies... You are very apt to drop below sea level. He that can fly can faint. If you are a creature that can be excited and that can be depressed, and worse still, if you happen to have been born on a foggy day and to have swallowed so much of that fog that you have found it shading your spirit many a time ever since, then you can only be strong by faith. The cure for depression is faith, said Spurgeon. Settle this in your heart. Whether I am up or down, the Lord Jesus Christ is the same. Whether I sing or whether I sigh, the promise is true. And the promiser is faithful. If you will stand firm in Jesus Christ, even in your weakness, you will be made strong. We are emotional creatures, and some of our emotions are difficult to manage. But God's promises aren't emotional. They are solid, stable, firm, strength-imparting, and true. The Lord will strengthen you in your weakness today. That is really great. And I just, I love so much Hebrews 11. And if you ever do get depressed, just read that. Because you can see all the people. And, you know, they didn't all have easy lives, right? They had to fight through a lot of battles and had a lot of hard times and depression. But God would always lift them up because God is faithful. So I hope today that you have that strong faith in Jesus, that no matter what you're going through, He is with you, He has a plan for you, and He's going to be standing there right by your side. Have a faith-filled day, and I will see you back here tomorrow.
Welcome to Every Day with Jesus for September 30th. Do you believe this? The verse is John 11, verses 25 to 26. Let's look that up. All right, John 11, starting in verse 17, the chapter title is Jesus Comforts the Sisters. And this is uh, Mary and Martha they're talking about because Lazarus has just died and Jesus has just come back into town. And I'll go to verse 21. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. But Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. After she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. Okay, I'm going to read this also in the message. So this is John chapter 11. When Jesus finally got there, he found Lazarus already four days dead. Bethany was near Jerusalem, only a couple miles away, and many of the Jews were visiting Mary and Martha, sympathizing with them over their brother. Martha heard Jesus was coming and went out to meet him. Mary remained in the house. Martha said, Master, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Even now, I know that whatever you ask God, he will give you. Jesus said, Your brother will be raised up. Martha said, I know that he will be raised up at the resurrection at the end of time. And I love how it says it right here. Verse 25, You don't have to wait for the end. I am right now, resurrection and life. The one who believes in me, even though he or she dies, will live. And everyone who lives believing in me does not ultimately die at all. Do you believe this? Yes, Master. All along I have believed that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who comes into the world. After saying this, she went to her sister Mary and whispered in her ear, The teacher is here and is asking for you. Do you believe this? Winston Churchill made specific requests about his anticipated funeral. It was held in the massive St. Paul's Cathedral in London where music would have echoed gloriously. He specified that two bugle pieces be played, taps the military signal that the day is over, and reve, the military signal that the day is just beginning. Churchill believed that, yes, his earthly day was over, but his eternal day was just beginning. That night, as Churchill's widow, Clementine, prepared for bed, she told her daughter, It wasn't a funeral, Mary. It was a triumph. That was the message Jesus conveyed to Martha and Mary, sisters of his friend Lazarus, as they mourned the death of their brother. It was the bittersweet message of death from a Christian perspective. Yes, death brings sorrow, but it also brings hope and victory for the one who dies in faith in Christ. Christ's resurrection removed the sting from death forever. Death has been swallowed up in victory, 1 Corinthians 15, 54, and 55. Do you believe this? As you consider the end of life on earth, think of it as the continuation of life in Christ forever. That was really good. I love how he wanted to have those two songs. Um, you know, Reve, which is the beginning of the day. And really, you know, that is, that's what we're doing here on earth. I mean, we're just, this is kind of like the warm-up show, the pregame show. We're living here, doing our best, believing in him, telling other people. But ultimately, what is the goal? 
to get to heaven, right? And so our last breath here is going to be our first breath up there, which is going to be the best time ever. And we're not even going to remember all the problems and stuff that we had here. I heard a great quote that we're not on earth here living to die. We're pretty much dying to live, right? Because when we die, that's when we're going to have our eternal life. So I hope today that you just don't get too wrapped up in things around here on earth because this is not where it's at. I hope you're doing everything and telling other people about him and keeping your faith strong and especially witnessing to your family and your friends nearby because we want to be able to die here and immediately be in the presence of the Lord forever. I hope you have a great day today remembering that we're living to die on this earth and so then we can die to live forever in heaven. Have a great day. You can order your own copy of the Every Day with Jesus devotional book by going to davidjeremiah.org or by calling Turning Point at 877-998-0222. And I would love to answer any questions you may have about faith in Jesus. Just email me through my website, nancyjoytoyou.com. And I hope you go out and shine for Him today. See you tomorrow.